1: For part two? Back for more. And um, so we were saying at S- the end of last.
0: Yeah, so we got into this idea that there was more to existentialism than just Kierkegaard, and that you personally were more willing to get on board with some of Category A existentialism <laughs> yes, versus these other guys. Um, and so if we're please going don't and send, see... Please well, don't that, send me bad emails. Send, emails. Right. <laughs> so after Kierkegaard, then we have Nietzsche... Yes. And and we touched upon him a little bit. Do you want to talk a little more about him? Um
1: sure. That's actually that's my ideal existentialist. Okay. That's my guy. Okay. <laughs> if I had to pick one guy in there, I'll pick him. Okay. And,
0: and Kierkegaard, both of them. Um, so you like you liked existentialism before it was mainstream. Exactly. <laughs> right, right.
1: <laughs> I'm one of the, I'm like one of those dudes on oh, the first album of this right, right. band, was But not not so much <laughs> the other ones. Um, yeah. Um, I think that he is uh, an interesting an interesting one, it's also one of the, one of the most misunderstood thinkers, probably mm. of and misunderstandable, also, I should say. Yeah, it's not always the interpreter fault in there. He doesn't do anything to make this easy on us,
0: does I agree? He? I agree.
1: Um, this, this, the, the blinking parts in, in Zarathustra are like my favorite one, mm. and he, he ends whatever paragraph and it's like, any blinks. Yeah,
0: the writing doesn't help, also. Yes you know, for lack of a better term, he's kind of a dick he is. in his writing, right? Like, <laughs> he, he has this this air about him where he's like, I hate philosophy. I'm like above all this and, you know, not without reason. No, but, but he,
1: he, he's playing a character there, right? He yeah. is, it's doing philosophy with a hammer, right? And, and he can because he is good, right? Yeah. It's
0: like... He's one of those people that there was this perceived arrogance, but he had the skill to back it up.
1: And also, we had to we had to contextualize this. So when I studied um, German for, um, I we had this course in in, in grad school, it was German for philosopher, right? We went and studied German, but just to learn the terminology for philosophy, okay, mainly, which was helpful. Mm-hmm. I wish I remember most
0: <laughs> of it. And, uh,
1: and however, we discovered that. Um, this style wasn't that being a dick back then was <laughs> what they did. So when they would write uh, in that period of time, like uh, reviews of each other's book, they will call themselves like the worst things ever. <laughs> like we're talking about peer-reviewed journal, and one will call wow. the other one like the asshole of whatever. Uh, they they will like really really insult each other. So wow. that's also thick skin. Yeah, they, I guess we need to categorize that now. Is there an extra level there? Yes, there is, Hmm. of course. And he has to do with this mentality, with this idea. But I think that the important thing to say about Nietzsche is to distinguish him from the... Well, I should say it is to absolve him from the the accusation of being a nihilist. Yes. Because I think that this is the most misunderstood thing about him. Because I think he is desperately telling us that that's bad. Right. But well, instead, most people interpret it as that's what you're supposed to be.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like there's these two halves, I always say, to existentialism. And the first half is the acknowledgement of the not, the lack of inherent meaning. And some people are like, oh, so therefore we stop there and then we just like go cry because nothing could be of value and and mm-hmm. life is terrible. You only read half the book, right? Exactly. Like There's this second step that, that Nietzsche takes. Exactly.
1: Which is, again, and some people will say... Um, that just because you there is no inherent meaning in the world in the universe just because of that, then there is no meaning. Right. Well, Nietzsche instead would say that you build meaning. You mm-hmm. can you you build the value. Uh, the axiology comes from us. Is not in there. Is not given. But you take it, so to speak. I would mm-hmm. say.
0: And that it, doesn't make make it less.
1: No, exactly. Actually, it makes even more. It makes you the. Yeah. It makes you a god, right?
0: It does because I'm thinking people have this this uh, this phrase in mind that they say sometimes, uh, social construction. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, if meaning is constructed, that means it's it's actually meaning less, and that's not the case.
1: No, of course it's not the case. But um, first of all, I always say when it comes to social constructionism, right? Because something is socially constructed, that doesn't make it less true. Right. Or less valuable, or less impactful, and therefore meaningful for your life. Yeah, or, is,
0: or less accurately depicting actuality.
1: Exactly. And again, silly example, right? It is. We can we can agree that it's socially constructed that um, in our country, if you um, if you pee in public, you go to jail, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's not everywhere. It's not there everywhere. are places where you do this and nothing happens to you. It's places where this is normal, right? Mm-hmm. However, even though it's socially constructed, you still go to jail and your life is still ruined in a way yeah. that is essential, yeah. that is real, that is impactful, that is meaningful.
0: And the law should be if you don't flush in a public <laughs> bathroom, as I was saying earlier. Exactly.
1: You should, but that's and that's what I'm saying. So th- there are and it's not just consequences. It's like in general life. It, it, we, we were having this conversation before out of the podcast. Uh, our conceptual life has an impact to our e- to our everyday life. So this idea that if you are imparting meaning to things, they're not really meaningful. I don't buy that, not even for. Them.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And it's like these. This. This could just be an aspect of consciousness, because consciousness brings with it certain properties that don't actually exist in the world absent of consciousness, and that doesn't mean they're not real. And causality, right? This is a product of consciousness, uh, says Kant, But so it's constructed kind of, but that doesn't mean it's not real. Exactly. Or numeric relations or something like that. These things are real. Love is something you feel.
1: Exactly, exactly. And with Nietzsche, I think we have the the apotheosis of this, right? There's Mm. this idea that I have, and so there are two parts to it, right? There's the destructive part, the part's destructions, we will say.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, he takes away, he says that, well, in order to to rebuild, we need to destroy first,
0: right? Yeah, the and death he, of God. You got to f- realize what it means.
1: And he sees an opportunity, right? He, he thinks, and he's actually foreseeing the future, in my opinion, he thinks that religion is in decline somehow, mm. that there is less and less and with the enli- from the Enlightenment on, mm-hmm. we have Try to detach ourselves more and more from religion, and then finally, he says, now in the desert that we have created of values, because we have removed the values of Christianity from being the values that we that we believe in, now there is an opportunity. Yeah, and the opportunity is to rebuild according to those new values that go beyond good and evil in the way they are, are described by Christianity. They go beyond uh, conventions, beyond the way man will do things finally we can become the the The
0: overman or the The postman uh which is an interesting concept not like the male guy i just thought that in my head (laughs) but it is
1: it is interesting right Mm -hmm. um and i think there is something to it no i definitely
0: think so and he values aesthetics for this reason right because it's like absent of the what religion gave us we now have this void and this famous quote, like you stare into the void, it stares back into you. We need to fill this. And so we construct from this groundless ground and creating art and engaging in aesthetic experience is one way of doing this.
1: And I think that the similarity with Kirkhart is this embracing of who you really are, right? Mm-hmm. One of his quotes is, Be calm who you are. Yeah. Um, which is frightening, right? because he's telling you to embrace who you really are.
0: Yeah, and not the you you pretend to be. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Which is different and how many I you know, I will invite everybody to think of this like how many times in a day you are who you really are.
0: Yeah, and for most people it's like maybe they're who they really are when they're laying in bed at night. And that's it. Right? Yeah. Cuz you kind of put on that mask.
1: Yeah, so now finally you can relax. And that's if you're married with person and sleeping with a person that you can, you feel like you can bring that. that because that's true love. Exactly. And that's the moment where you really take your mask off. Otherwise you still have your mask on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I will contend that some people are also afraid to look at who they really are and they Absolutely. never take the mask off.
0: Absolutely. Not even in front
1: of themselves, not even from the mirror, right? And, and that is, I think, interesting because that implies that there is a level
0: that's it's kind of there's two of us there's another inside of us very weird and this is also like the the humanistic psychologists pick up on this exactly um and so so there's kinds of lying all of a sudden so it's like you can lie to other people but then you lie to yourself and that's the one that's that hurts more that's the one that's worse and you don't want to do that
1: no and that's the one you can but that becomes the one that you get accustomed to
0: Mm. and it becomes
1: very difficult to remove eventually. It's like you're wearing this mask, and now all of a sudden you really think it's
0: your face. Yeah, and you don't want to explore the possibility that what you've been doing for so long was wrong.
1: Exactly, wrong or that wasn't the thing that's meaningful to you. Yeah. And and I always say, I always make a connection between Nietzsche and Freud, right? Because Freud is kind of convinced also of something very similar, that we wear masks, right? That we, to appease whatever, the superego or mm-hmm. to appease society, we do things, but he thinks that we forget kind of what we really want or we sublimate it, and what, there are different, different mechanisms that we use to do that. thing is we push down these things that we really are, what we really want, mm-hmm. um, if these things are different. And Freud says at the end of the day that neurosis is the product of this conflict between who we really want to be and who we, or who we have to be.
0: Yeah, and, and the existential psychoanalyst will say that the neuroses are the products of not being able to cope with the burden of being right, with exactly. the givens of existence. And um, when I I haven't done this in a while, because um, I, I kind of reformatted the structure of my class. But when I was doing existentialism, what I would do is hand out you know Shell Silverstein, yes, right. He has this poem called Masks, right, and it's about like two people. Basically, I I can't repeat it verbatim, uh, but they both were wearing a mask and so they acted towards each other right they didn't show their their true identity so to speak and it's really sad because they walk right past each other and never knew that actually the very thing they wanted was in the other person yes so right if you actually had the honesty on both ends you'd actually get what you were looking for but because you're trying to be what you think other people want you to be
1: you never get it yeah and and it's it's the highest level of sadness, right? Oh okay. <laughs> it is like that. That is seriously though that that it's like being, and I always make this example. Whenever this is happening, we have people stuck doing things mm. that they don't really want to do, and they do that all their life, and they die without ever ever doing anything that they want to do, without ever being whoever they want to be. Mm-hmm. Which once again. It brings forward this question that there is, we are we're a weird animal because we can do that. We can separate levels within ourselves, which is unique to us, but mm. also terrifying. And the search for authenticity, I think that's what Nietzsche is looking for, right? To yeah. Be, again, become you who you are, embrace it, and if other people don't like it, like screw it, I don't care. This is who I am. I, I the example that I always make, like you know what, I'm good at art. And I want to paint, and I want to be an artist, and I want to go to school to become an artist. And But everybody's telling me that I will never make a dime, Mm. that I will be miserable because I cannot make money. Now, if that's really your true essence, if you are the artist, right, you should say, screw those people. I don't care, I'll go up to the mountain, and I'll do my thing. Yeah. I don't care.
0: This is like teaching philosophy, right? right? Like, what are you doing, man? That's exa- crazy.
1: Exactly. So it's and sometimes with the students, we do this at the end of the semester. They get really like. They get really distraught by this because like we're stuck in this tension between the two. I'm like, man, what matters? Mm. You have to think. Yeah, you want to be making money, and then if you're never happy, what are you gonna do with this money? Yeah. Granted you need those <laughs> yeah right you need you need money but it's uh, and again i don't want to vulgarize nietzsche because that's much more to it but i think that this component is essential this giving meaning that will really uh, because again nihilism means no meaning and therefore no happiness because there's nothing there's
0: no values right, right? to annihilate to not to make nothing and i think that that's contrary
1: to Nietzsche, Nietzsche is yeah. saying the opposite. Nietzsche is again; he wants to go back to the Dionysiac, right? The, mm. the, this, this kind of of, of happy, uh, instinctual, almost we can say. Where yeah, j- if,
0: just just because you start with nothing, exactly. doesn't mean you have to end with nothing. Exactly. And and we're talking about authenticity, and I'm thinking, but the important thing is you can't just like pretend, obviously, like pretend to be authentic, because a lot of people will pick this up and be like. I'm cool. I'm authentic. Like I get this stuff. But you you have to go through this process, right? Like so you exist, you feel the givens of existence and their weight and and they're so absurd that they cause you to have a great deal of dread. And in the face of this dread, you create. Exactly. You triumph. But you have to go through this cycle. Absolutely. And this is
1: Zarathustra uh, goes to the mountain by yeah. himself
0: for a long time before he comes back, right? And uh, it's reminding me of Sartre, but I want to skip ahead. But Nietzsche then influences this, this guy Heidegger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not even sure if we should get into that at this <laughs> point we're limited in time. We should do like just a phenomenology episode and yeah, maybe the, in we'll, that compare.
1: Yeah, we can do that. There. On
0: the horizon. Um, but Sartre has this famous essay I right, called existentialism as a humanism precisely because people are thinking oh, it's this sad uh,
1: the sad philosophy,
0: the, the emo invi- philosophy. The emo philosophy, right. The <laughs> invitation to dwell in quietism sorry. and despair he says. I'm sorry, yeah. um, and then it, it became this platitude where, what does what he say in the essay? Like, when there's a slip of the tongue and the woman says something unwomanly, she says, oh, I'm such an existentialist and exactly just silly things like that and He goes on to define existentialism. He tries to give something basic, and he has this famous phrase we know already says, existence comes before essence. And then what does this mean, right?
1: (laughs) Well, you tell me. Oh, I tell you. This is is what I
0: do, um, because I do the free will unit. I do uh, existentialism as a humanism, and so they get a little bit of existentialism throughout. And the way we set it up is like, Okay, first you have to know what these words mean, existence and essence, and we talk about that for a while, and Sartre will talk about how it is the case for humans that their existence precedes their essence, but for everything else, their essence comes before their existence, right? So he uses the example of a paper knife, and I I stopped using this example because I'm like, what's a paper knife? And they go... A knife made of paper. (laughs) I'm like, oh, okay. Um, Nobody uses them anymore. Nobody uses them anymore, but that's like just a weird thing to say. I think I might have one. but Yeah. A knife made of paper. (laughs) So I say a chair or something, and we say, think about why the chair exists. Like, what is the chair? We talk about the essential properties. It's like, okay, this thing that was made for the purpose of sitting. And I say, notice how. Before the chair was made, before the chair came to be, the idea of what the chair was for existed in the mind of a creator. So there was a chairmaker that had an exact idea of what he was going to make and what the chair would ultimately be. So the chair springs into existence, and it has no say in what's going on, and it doesn't choose its definition. Right. So for objects like chairs, their essence comes before their existence. It was prescribed to them. But with humans, he says it's the opposite. Because Sartre is an atheist. So he says the only way human essence could precede its existence is if God existed as like a supernal artisan. I just think of God with like the beret painting us. but he doesn't think that exists, right? And so in the absence of God, we don't have any predetermined path. We don't have any prescribed meaning or definition. We get to choose who we become. And and this is the thing that makes existentialism existentialism, according to Sartre. So this
1: idea that at the end of the day, I am absolutely free.
0: right. To be whoever I want, correct. It's like freedom within facticity, yeah. Because yes. he does acknowledge,
1: of course, we're gonna fly by clapping yeah. our, our yeah. hands, right? Uh, but the, yeah, the idea is that within the limitations of our biology, let's say, for for lack of better terms, right? Yeah. For example, to, to use a term that's different than facticity. We, it's kind of we write our own script, yep, So to speak, right. And this is dreadful as well.
0: Right, because it usually we think of freedom as a good thing. Um, but he's saying, no, that's scary. <laughs> but it's scary. And I'm thinking of like, you know, I asked you about From the other day. Yeah. The same kind of thing where it's like, no, this is anxiety-inducing. Because I, have, you haven't watched Mad Men yet, right? Okay, oh, yeah. Oh, you what, have? Mad Men, yes. Oh, you read the straight. You said it was one of your favorites. Yes. Okay, so you remember throughout the whole series, Don Draper... We talk about how people like to be told what to do. Yes. And this is so true. Like, we think we value being free, but really we like these structures. Absolutely. And when they disappear, it's like, what do I do? Well, think
1: of the students, right? They want a syllabus, they want rubrics, they want to be told exactly what they have so to do. So, what do I
0: write for my essay? Exactly.
1: <laughs> what is that? What is exactly that I have to do to yeah. get a good grade? And the moment you say, hey, so one of the things that they have to do, there is no page count, and they're terrified by it. Mm. Is it too I much? I not do that. Is it too much? This is it too little? Is it that? Is it that? And I'm like, this is part of the assignment for you to figure out yeah, what's yeah. essential there. But that's exactly in that direction, Same right? Thing.
0: So do we agree with it? I'm like, I don't know. You tell <laughs> me. Um, so,
1: and I was saying before that I'm not a fan.
0: Yes, you're not a fan uh, of this.
1: Well, I'm not fan of, of him, I should say. And mm. it's more the political aspect that I don't like of him. There's a whole side of his politics that I'm not
0: really which, uh,
1: fond uh, of.
0: I would agree with, right? This guy was like it, hanging out with Che.
1: What, which is not my problem, frankly. My problem is this is way of understanding. It becomes like a uh, a vessel for propaganda.
0: And I don't yeah, like it's like an, He becomes an ideologue where he's like using the philosophy not as... An authentic means of gaining truth, but as a way of justifying exactly. political beliefs, right? And that I don't like at all. I agree no, with that.
1: Within his existentialism position, um, so my I have two different problems. So I think that humanism is not good. Okay, It's not a good philosophy in my mind. Okay, uh, I'm not. I'm not a fan of that either. And the fact that he equates existentialism to humanism, of course, makes existentialism problematic to me.
0: It's also a reduction, because it removes the possibility of it being anything else.
1: Exactly, exactly. So that is problematic, and I think it's kind of watering down what those two guys, which we talked about before, Kierkegaard and Nietzsche, were trying to do.
0: And Heidegger, people would
1: argue. Exactly. Um, Yes, yes, and Heidegger, too. I agree. Um, On top of it, um, this idea that Free, I think it was dangerous the idea that to say the freedom is this crippling mm. uh sort of and it becomes the the ideological uh justification of some sort of authority, statehood right? statehood and authority yeah that's and true and that and that's my problem there that's true that is my i can i can summarize that issue right there yeah it it's cuz i see his and and to be fair to yeah. be fair i i don't think he says that because of that we need some sort of hyperstructure, I don't find them in any of his writing, but Mm -hmm. I think that he talks about the need for structure
0: and the search for it Mm. in order to kind of calm down those... Right, and of course he has a specific structure in mind. Exactly. Not just structure as such. Um, the, The thing that I think is a super interesting idea but could be interpreted in a way so as to justify the ideology is so later on in the same essay, he he talks about how with freedom comes responsibility. And I like that part. Yeah. I do like that part, right? Because he says, if you're free, this means you're responsible for who you become. You can't point fingers at people. You can't say, oh, I'm this way because of how I was raised or the people I was around. Because it's like, no, you could have woke up and changed your life, right? This is the concept of bad faith. It's being woke. Being woke, (laughs) right? So, oh God, I don't want to be associated with that. So this is like the legit version. I just said legit. What's wrong with me?
1: We have said woke and legit one after the other. Yeah, around too many people.
0: So, (laughs) okay, so he talks about responsibility, right? And the idea is... The weight of existence suddenly falls on your shoulders. True. And whenever I show this to students, I always show that, uh, you know, the Shia LaBeouf motivational video? Yes. like, just do it. Yes. I always play that, and I'm like, you know, this is funny, but there's something really valuable in here in Sartrean. So all that's good. But then afterwards, he extends the responsibility beyond the individual. Yes. And he says, not only are you responsible for you but you're responsible for all of humanity because you're constantly defining it as you go. And I guess that doesn't have to sound bad, and I don't want to assume the worst version, but it's also not a coincidence that he's saying this given his political stance. Exactly. And this is why I
1: say that I don't like him because, again, he's doing this in this um, almost hidden way, And, and it's not... Intellectually honest, in my opinion. Because, again, said that way, I can even be tempted to agree with it. Yeah, right? like,
0: okay, we're defining, so let's be the best we could be, right? Exactly,
1: because I am a token of this type, which is humankind. And, you know, if there would be somebody taking notes on what humankind does, if I do those bad things, that's going to go... In the notes of this one, yeah. Do I
0: want the aliens to remember this thing I did? Exactly.
1: And do I want, like, you know, humanity to be defined? Hey, and by the way, these human beings also do this horrible things. And this, <laughs> right, this, this, right, this. Do I want to be that? Do I want to be that, the spouse of Kierkegaard, the, the partner of Kierkegaard? <laughs> I don't want to be that, right? So I should be careful. Um, but then again, I don't think he has that in mind. Right. I think, the, and, and it's funny because, for someone who calls himself, an existentialist. Danny kind of goes towards this idea of leveling. He goes towards this idea of yeah uh, being. Uh, what can we call it? Homogeneous. Being of uh, this idea of we have to kind of all be on the same mm. on the yeah, same. It's
0: like he adopts this authoritarian collectivist thing.
1: Exactly, which is again, which is not cool in my opinion. Right, in, right. In, especially when you kind of are selling it as philosophy and this existentialism yeah so this is i I mean that's the issue and also for the essence before existing thing um better existence before essence mm-hmm. i don't i don't know do you do you think that that
0: is i think in its best form like interpreted in in a very specific way it's correct and it's good however <laughs> If you start to expand the definition, um, then it gets iffy because then it turns into, like we were talking about in club, like I could just say whatever. Exactly. And it's true because I say it because exactly. like I don't have an essence and you're oppressing me if you think otherwise.
1: Exactly. And it kind of goes intended in, in that way can degenerate into the opposite of taking responsibility for stuff. Yeah. Because
0: I'm just going with the flow, so to speak, right? Hey, I, you could, It's my essence to not have a choice. Exactly. Which okay. is like, you know, I don't want to say that he believed that because I, I don't think he did.
1: Same here. Same and and here.
0: I think people, you know, you're always going to have people that take ideas and then use them for bad. Exactly. Right? Like how... Nietzsche's sister connected it with Nazism. And
1: Listen, this happens every day. happens we, every day. Every time in class I say something, and I'm like, just saying this, I don't really mean it, not necessarily. <laughs> don't go out and say, hey, Professor O'Toole thinks we should kill all people, things yeah. like that, because that's not the case. Um, but, yeah, the issue, I, I'm, I agree with you. It's not necessarily what he thinks, but it doesn't do anything to.
0: Right. There's nothing that prevents it, so to speak. Because you don't want to be the guy that's like, Oh, you like ice cream? Yeah. Hitler liked ice cream, you know <laughs> exactly. But but I get what you're saying.
1: And also, yeah. is again, we don't want to touch character or anything like that, right? Of but, course not. But is
0: like the, he was an activist.
1: Exactly the way he conducted his life. Also, it does it's is not, not like, consistent with not consistent with with this. Right. It's
0: not like he just in the background had political exactly. beliefs in the abstract. It's like he was actively doing things. So it's hard not to. Exactly. Especially when he's trying to make it a unified system.
1: Exactly. And again, once more, is, I'm not saying this is stated its political views are bad or good. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that using philosophy as a vessel to kind of embed this political idea in there that's not.
0: It's unphilosophical.
1: That, it's not right? cool. <laughs> but yeah, I'm with that. That's, and that applies to like anyone who does that yeah no, exactly it's not just him it's not just him it's it's everybody it's, to a certain point Plato is culpable just to um, in a sense right what because of the like
0: hierarchical philosopher king thing yeah, well think of
1: you know the republican and the soul it's divided in the same way that yeah. it justifies or vice versa right yeah, the, the yeah, political yeah. order and so on but with Plato you kind of forgive him and it's more
0: You're like hey it's Plato it's, and,
1: he, and he also wrote so you know and then there's the revision of this with the laws and the statement when he starts saying, oh, wait wait a minute, maybe this doesn't work. Right, right. And you never get the idea that – and considering that the dialogues are open-ended, you never get the idea that he's trying to convince you of something specifically, even mm-hmm. though he is. But
0: Another problem with Sartre is that it's only a thing if you think atheism is right. Right? Because yes. he, he, he only mentions, I think, Christian existentialism like once – and he's like, oh, yeah, there are these people, but I'm a representative of the, of the atheist side. And it's like, OK, if you're taking it upon your shoulders to define existentialism and you're doing it with reference to atheistic beliefs, like how do you explain Kierkegaard and like how he even mentions Marcel and, and all these other people?
1: Exactly. And it seems to me that if he if he's trying to define existentialism that way, he at least need to attempt a reasoning that tells me why I should believe, or not believe, rather, in yeah. God, right? And to go that way, because otherwise it's like, you're partial again. You're assuming that by default that right. you are correct. And, and it's
0: hyper-conditional. Are... It's like, only if atheism yeah. is true, this follows. Exactly, which is Which is, is weird. And, like, I think did we talked about this before, where, it, like, is there a way of reconciling religiousness in Sartre's model? Like, can we conceive of a religious structure in which the quote-unquote existence precedes essence model would work like uh, retroactively if we're applying it to Kierkegaard? Do you think something like that would work? Uh,
1: I wouldn't think so. Yeah, I think it's possible. Um, there's the... I. Maybe we can use an example of Darwinism and evolutionism, right? Mm. And the fact that it can be accepted in a Christian view of the world. That's true. If you think about it, right? Because we can think that God created us, but made a, made, a, made human beings, um, there's this term, it's called neotenic beings, right? Which means that we don't have any specific characteristics.
0: mm we're kind of blank. We're kind then. of blank. So
1: God gives us the shape, so to speak. They give us, God gave us the constraints, the physical constraints, but then it's kind, kind of up to us to
0: develop into whoever we are. So there's no real form There's no human. real, exactly. Okay. There's just
1: the matter, right? There's mm-hmm. the shape of it. And then we develop into whatever we are. And I'm making the parallel with, the, with evolutionism because uh, the Pope, for example, not this one, but the one before, I think, um, accepted that Darwinism and evolutionism, it's compatible, and actually that the Catholic Church believes in that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And by saying that, he says, well, God is the one that actually pushed the button to start this evolution thing, and then things evolved, exactly like science tells you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But God was there to put the matter together and say, okay, Just now that go. that's that first cause, right? Exactly. Now go. And I think that could be the same with Sartre, Right. Because we unless it could work it, it doesn't I don't know if it's purely a Christian God that mm. that will be there or just a God that general, kind of right? kind of again put things in motion and then
0: it's up to you that's true. you can definitely reconcile a kind of God, but whether or not you can reconcile it with a specific <laughs> religion like the god of a religious institution is a different question um and that I don't know, yeah, that's difficult but but now I'm wondering. What do you think about Camus? <laughs> no. What do, what do you
1: think? <laughs> I just again. I never. I don't. I never had. No. I, just, I seriously I don't. I. I never ever. I consider him a philosopher. Okay. And to me, was like a a novelist. It was a writer. that wrote those very interesting things. So you read the fiction. I read the fiction. I read. Um. So I read the the, the, the plague, the stranger, okay. the myth of Sisyphus as well. The, okay. What do you think of that? That's a novel. (laughs) You think the myth of Sisyphus is a novel? Yeah, I think it's just a piece of work of art. That's it. That's a very nice metaphor, (laughs) but that's it.
0: Because he has... So I think it wins for the most intriguing opening line ever. Sure. Right? Where he talks about, like, basically the first philosophical problem is should you kill yourself? Yes. Right? It's like if you want to get someone to read, oh, that's going to draw you in. Yeah. Yeah. because he says, like, to go back to Kierkegaard, the things that really matter aren't these abstract metaphysical, which much of me and you like them. But he says no one ever died for the ontological problem. No one ever died <laughs> trying to prove God, right? But they die for other things.
1: True. And already I can disagree with that. But, no. <laughs>
0: uh, but he talks about, so you have to, if we're doing a philosophy that requires you to be alive, you have to first justify why you should continue to be alive. To be alive, exactly, which is a super interesting starting
1: point. It is, it is. Um, so, rewinding <laughs> first. <laughs> Rewind. Um, nobody has ever died of the ontological problem or whatever metaphysical issue. False. Mm. People are being killed
0: because of that. I'm gonna because put they... that like Dwight office thing where he just says false.
1: Right. It's it is false because we have at think of. Or Giordano Bruno, or think of Erasmus. Mm. Think of those people that have died because of their ideas. I know what he means. He means that nobody has died of natural causes because of that, but that doesn't mean that those things are not dangerous. And I think that this idea that the only, well, that the foundational question is should you kill yourself or not, right? Which is basically telling we need to talk about our existence before everything else. That those metaphysical stuff have nothing to do with what's important right. it means more, less it means less i think that's dangerous because not because you know it kind of diminishes philosophy but because he gives people the impression they can do philosophy in these other ways free from danger which i believe is not true
0: i think he, that and I, I do agree with that
1: because right. philosophies are dangerous dangerous business by definition dangerous business whatever kind of philosophy you do
0: but i mean he does acknowledge that dread is essential mm-hmm. um because he talks about this idea of like the the man looking in the mirror and like seeing who he who he is and uh, as opposed to who he was and so you, you get smacked in the face with the passage of time and like i'm really drawn to that kind of stuff um and so at the end of the day, I mean, the metaphor of, of yeah. Sisyphus, right? It's like, of course, you keep rolling it up the hill, even though it's just going to fall back. And you find meaning in that inherent meaninglessness. Yes. And so in that sense, he, he falls in the category. But true. But you're laughing.
1: No, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of, of, of other definitions. There was a professor of mine uh, used to tell the story that his professor used to say that the perfect metaphor for human existence mm-hmm. was of a man. That was standing right, right behind one of those machines that are used to kind of flatten the the asphalt on the on the.
0: Oh, like a steamroller. Like a steamroller,
1: okay. and he was always almost ready to be steamrolled, but he moved just a little <laughs> bit, and this thing just kept on going. He cannot run away, but it's almost to get you mm. know all the time this this constant, which is like you know, right, right. Like in this, in this, never you're never safe, so to speak. You're almost on the verge of
0: over non-existence. Do you think that's a good metaphor, though? No. <laughs> you, the, not the steamroller one, the Sisyphus one. Uh, for, for our existence? Yeah. Um, that even if, ultimately, in the eyes of the universe, it is nothing, that shouldn't matter to us. Because we find value in the work, in the doing. The, it is a good metaphor, I would say. Mm-hmm. I don't
1: know if I agree with the Kant. I'm I'm so interested I, in hearing <laughs> about this. No, okay. Um I truly believe that at the end of the day, yes, we should embrace whatever the work whatever work we are involved in, mm-hmm. regardless of what the universe thinks, so to speak, right? Just the opposite of the Stoics. Uh, I I like that. It's not mm-hmm. that I don't like that. I like that. However however however, I am um, I think that the moment you uncover that, then things really lose meaning because we keep on rolling that thing up the hill because eventually that thing is going to stop
0: because we think it is yes so you're saying if we acknowledge that it never does realistically
1: you need you need, oh yes you always need to assume that
0: well you certainly have to believe that it's gonna st- right because that's the night of faith is, yes. you, is you think the, the absurd is gonna happen
1: you need to unify this thing yeah. right you need
0: you otherwise it's really how, how about i i think he has a good definition of the absurd though Okay, He says the absurd is what happens when you mix human nature with the external world. He says, like, the world by itself is no, no issue. Humans, you know, in ideal, abstract, nothing wrong. But when you combine these things, that's when absurdity comes into existence because it's like the world doesn't conform to all of our hopes and dreams and ideas and desires.
1: So if, if by that he means, which I think he does, the fact that... The two parts do not do not completely coincide, right? Right. That there is, like, some sort of mismatch there. Right. And this mismatch is what we call absurdity. Mm-hmm. That works. Okay,
0: so I <laughs> found a piece that you like. That works. Okay. Uh,
1: but, but why do you like him instead? What, is, what kind of things? I are, don't.
0: I, I feel like it seems like I like him more just because I'm talking to you <laughs> and maybe I'm playing devil's advocate. Um, because I
1: don't think, I mean. I don't see how is your cup of tea considering everything else philosophically Ooh. that you like. I don't know. Wait, now I'm like, what do you think <laughs> of me? <laughs> no, I think it's, it's, it's like I'm thinking of, you know, Husserl
0: and Heidegger. And, and so because Heidegger I and, like this super technical n- stuff. No, no, no,
1: not because of that. I think that it, it clashes at least partially with, with with phenomenology, so to speak. Huh. Which Ooh. is kind of the same thing with, with, with Sartre, right, I want to say, because they Ooh. kind of looking at the true essence of things right the true that's interesting
0: well they're Sartre's... no they're
1: not bracketing anything
0: um so that's a great question and in order to answer it <laughs> we have to do a phenomenology episode because i i think you, you've got the ball rolling in my head but i think we've we've covered enough yeah for this session right that sounds good to me that's all right more than enough more than enough. see you around <laughs> see you